Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, good morning at you. It's June 12th, an auspicious day, peace in our time. I'll tell you, the gods are blessing us with such an astonishing leader at such a consequential time. Yes, peace in our time. Uh, my sister Susan's with us today, uh, who is a now grandmother of two instead of just one, and uh, that happened Sunday, and we're thrilled. Hi, Suze. Hi. We, yeah, we still got a buzz. Are you hearing the buzz? No, I don't hear a buzz. I hear a buzz. Now, talk, Suze. I, I prefer it when you hear the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't hear the buzz now. Okay, thank you. We have a slightly new system again, and, and so just needed to, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, congratulations. That's great. Everything. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying goodbye to our brother who's on his way home, and he met uh, the newest member of our family yesterday. Oh, he did. And he, he just yelled, she's beautiful. He, she's really beautiful. <laughs> he just said it's amazing. <laughs> Hey, put, doesn't Bill want to be on the show for a little bit? You know, he's got. Big I don't know, Bill. Do you want to be on the show for a little bit? Wah wah wah! I'm going to head out because it's going to be rain along the route, and I just better get it. Bill, we're show. on the air now. What do you have? A mouthful of food? Yeah, I have a mouthful of food. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> yeah, we're we are on the With air. With me luck, it's. it's uh, I just wanted to say, well, I just wanted your, uh, you know, as long as you're here, just give us your, I mean, isn't it amazing to be living at a time when we can see such leadership on the global stage and, 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 and peace in our time, I think. I feel so relieved today. Oh, God, don't even, yeah, well, by the time I get home, we'll have nuked Canada. Okay. <laughs> Drive carefully. Justin Trudeau ought to challenge him to a boxing match. Have you ever seen the Trudeau boxing match. Yeah, with yeah, the, um, yeah. Yeah, take them out. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> okay. But Bill, be well, careful. Well, when 42% of the population is ambulatory schizophrenic, I mean, what are you going to do? He'll have them in his pocket. It's okay, a, wish me well. I do. I wish you well. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so, Bye. Okay. Bye, Bill. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Jeez. Okay, here I am. Okay. Uh, we're concerned about his health because he's a geezer. He's older than me, and he's about to get on a very large motorcycle. And, and on, um, a, on a thousand-pound motorcycle and head off for a six-hour journey. He, he literally is trembling. He, he just is shaking for an hour after he gets off the bike from <laughs> sustained vibrations. Bye. <laughs> And his arthritic neck he's adding in. All right, well, fine. It's, I mean, you know, there's, there's other ways to transport yourself, you idiot. Anyway. Yeah, but you know what? I gave him some of that miraculous oh, yeah, uh, THC-infused salve to rub on his neck as he rolled his eyeballs at me like, that won't do anything. And five minutes later, I, he looked at me, and his eyes were as round as could be. And he, he said, watch this. 
and he moved his neck, all his head, all the way to one side and then turned it all the way to the other. He said, I haven't done that in a long time. And I said, oh, wow. I told you. That's the great. stuff works. Good, good. Did you give him a little to and send so him on his way? And so is the stuff just made from hemp people. So for, for, for arthritic aches and pains, get that uh, either the CBD oils or salves, which I think anybody can get now, and they work too. Yeah. I think you can, yeah. So That's my commercial for the morning. Okay, all right. That's good. All right. Um, good God, Susan. A um, few little things, I think, to start, start us off. I, I, I don't know if I can stand to start with him. I came upon a, upon a great uh, quote from George Carlin. In America... Yeah, may he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. in America... Anyone can become president. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. He, he, he said a lot of things that <laughs> were so spot on and culturally specifically accurate 10 years before they yeah. were to be said, or in some cases 20 years. Yeah, yeah. He really got it, all he, of it. Yeah, really smart. So anyway, I have to, um, I don't know, there's so much, as usual, news. I guess our president is now in uh, Air Force One on his way back to trumpet his extraordinary success, having his picture taken. Uh, and having sized up Kim Jong-un oh, yeah. in, like, the first minute because he can. That's he, his thing. That's that's his talent. That's what uh, he does. Yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> and... Our president uh, saying to this the most vile of vile uh, authoritarian figures in the in the world said, "You've got great beaches," and 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 then he tells reporters. So I said to him, "You could have the greatest hotels in the world." <gasps> Do you believe that? He's just doing business. He's doing business. Also about the beaches. Listen to this quote. These are all, at first I thought, I saw this, I thought this is the onion or this is, um, this can't possibly be true. Haven't you figured, the onion's out of business, dear. There's no reason for the onion. (laughs) I know, I know. So here it is, President Trump today. They have great beaches. You see that, you see that whenever they're exploding their cannons into the ocean. I said, boy. Look at that view. Wouldn't that make a great condo? Okay. All right, I'm just saying. And then... (laughs) This is so, you know, I haven't read the news in three days. I haven't had time, so this is all, you know... Okay, I'm sorry. And I couldn't watch, so, but I'm just getting all this from... Okay, and, and I've seen still pictures and stuff on Twitter, but... Um, he also has said that he totally trusts <laughs> Kim Jong-un. And then he said this again. I thought this was a joke. It is not. He said it during a news conference. Uh, someone said, well, what if you're wrong about that? And he said, uh, I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'd ever admit that, but I'll find some kind of an excuse. This is our president. 
promising to lie to us in six months. Right. Uh, Basically promising to lie to us. And Even also, if I'm wrong, I'll make up some stuff. Right. And also showing, showing that all he can do is look at all of this with a, um, uh, a real estate developer's eyes. All he can look at is, look at those beaches. Man, I can put hotels up there. Man, location, I've got location, a co- location. condo, condo. Then he sticks a knife in our South Korean allies by calling our military exercises with them that we have engaged in since the Korean War, he calls them provocative. The only other people who've called him provocative are Kim Jong-un, his father, and his grandfather. Trump got rolled. He got nothing except the world stage, which he so craves. And to think well, that, that we always knew that was going to happen. The only one, the only winner in this is Kim Jong Un because he finally got a president. He did what right. his father and grandfather couldn't do. Right. He and got legitimized. So he, and, the victory is automatically his. All absolutely automatically his. And you know what? He's got pictures of himself standing in front. This murderous villain has pictures of himself now standing with the American president in front of this, the most horrific setting. I have, it is so discordant. There, they stood, Susan, in front of flags, a flag display. The North Korean flag, American flag. North Korea, America. North Korea, American. It is just this solid, equal footing of the North Korean flag and the star-spangled banner, and the North Korean flag, I have to tell you, dominates the picture because of the way it, it hangs and because there's this big yellow star in the, in the middle of and it. Because this red, you know, yeah, right. Well, no, I mean, it, it, just, so. it just dominates it. Right. And, and, and this is a president who talks about desecrating the flag because... Somebody doesn't stand with his hand over his heart during the playing of the national anthem. Here is a president who has dishonored our flag by putting it cheek to jowl with the flag of the worst, most murderous regime in the world. I'm just... And to... I couldn't watch uh, television because I know our media, and our media are treating this like they would treat any other summit. Well, and here is the president. You know, they, uh, yeah, they might say, well, there's really nothing new. All the language in the thing they signed is exactly language that has been in every other thing that the North Koreans ever signed. Only this time, they got the president and the photo op. Um, it's I'm scared. I just want to say that again. Also, we got Barbara Streisand on our side now. She tweeted out. What'd she tweet? I'll find it. Barbara Streisand. God bless her. Tweeted out. A political cartoonist is having his drawing sidelined for being critical of Trump. Are we ending satire? and a critical sense of humor under this growing authoritarian rule. 
and then she has a picture of one of Rob's things. So we got Stry- yeah, we got Streisand now and all her followers um, onto it. Also, Bill's secretary has emailed. <laughs> he's on his way home. Yeah, well, Laura writes, don't tell him he's an old geezer. I keep giving him pep talks. I don't want him to retire. <laughs> Aww. Oh, that's sweet. Don't Laura. worry. He can't. That's, that's just who he is. He won't ever stop doing what he does. I don't Whether think. he paid for it or not. I don't know. But then he wouldn't necessarily have Laura as his, as his no. secretary. So, anyway, don't worry. Just pray for him on his way back, not wearing yeah, a helmet. Just, yeah, just pray he makes it home. Because, I'm sorry, Laura, he's an old geezer. <laughs> he's what? <laughs> What'd you say? He's an old geezer. He's an geezer. old geezer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very funny because my grandson actually calls him Grunkle Billy. Yeah, I know. You're breaking up a little. How come? I don't know. I'm I'm look fine to myself. Hey, you do. And I'm sitting two sec two places away from the main control of a landline telephone. Okay, and you're on your Which landline. That's what I'm on. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're back okay again, but we got a little garble that no, we got yesterday. No, you are yesterday. too. What? You were too just now. Breaking up. Yep, you're breaking up. Oh, this is like the good old days, Suze. I know. Isn't this fun? We <laughs> can we can have uh, audio tests for the audience. All we're missing is a fire alarm. Um, okay, well, let me know if it continues. It's not doing it now? It's okay, I think. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, I, if I can understand you, I don't care. Well, I, I, I'd like a slightly higher bar than that. Um, at any rate, um, Ellen writes, just want to get an email in here. It seems that more than the editorial... No, you're totally cutting up. Oh, shit. Um, how about... I heard that. You heard, oh, shit? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, let me give a sh- shot at sharing Ellen's piece. It seems that more than the editorial pages of the Post-Gazette are being taken over. In looking at what's left of the front section of the paper today, there was only one article that had a, by- ooh, a byline from a Post-Gazette reporter. All the rest were from news, news services. It feels less and less like a local paper. By the way, um, I have uh, found out that whoever puts that front page... Susan? So she's gone. Am I on? I'll just continue on. Um, I happen to know that whoever puts together the front page of the Post-Gazette has been told and you will see that this is true by looking at it, that they are not to run any pieces by the Post-Gazette, I mean by the New York Times, or I believe the Washington Post. Definitely the New York Times. 
And my complaint about the paper before was that they were, I get the New York Times, that they were essentially <laughs> reprinting the New York Times. Um, and now they're under orders not to. So where y you, if you get the paper, used to get the New York Times piece on the summit, you are now getting the Associated Press piece. You're just getting a news service. Uh, uh, I, I kid you not. I know uh, Brian O'Neill said it's just two pages, but I'm afraid it is more than that. Uh, Ellen says some of the arguments made at the rally on Sunday, and she said I, she was there, to keep our subscriptions were to support the reporters there, but there are no local reporters anymore, it seems, reporting on stories. There aren't. There are some. There aren't many. We may be closer now to unsubscribing. Yeah. I I I completely uh, understand. Um. I can't do that now, Milton. I'll do it later. You know, some of you I think might think. Can Susan call back in? Do you think? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, are you guys hearing me? There is a, a piece in the uh, aforementioned New York Times today that reads like one of my most hysterical rants. <laughs> and I don't mean funny. It reads like me when I'm feeling um, so totally despondent and fearful of what the future holds for this uh, once great country. And it is a piece by Paul Krugman. And I will not, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you or anything like that, but I am going to tell you that he flat out calls Trump at the, in the first uh, paragraph, a quizzling. And uh, a quizzling, as you know, is, is a, a politician who serves the interests of a foreign uh, power at the expense of his own nation. And I think uh, to call Donald Trump a quizzling is a, is a no-brainer. No-brainer. Well, I was hello. I'm back. I was willing to call him a traitor from the from yeah. day one. So yeah. that's yeah. basically what a quizzling is. I know it's a traitor, <laughs> a traitor who's in a position to do real damage. Okay, so and then right. and then Krugman, you know, says, you know, we just we really don't know what Trump's motivation for being a traitor is. Um, is is he being blackmailed? Is there some kind of bribery going on? Or is it just his, you know, his doing the Trump show and the fact that he really doesn't like democracy and is drawn to authoritarian governments, uh, mostly because he wants to be one? Right. He's playing emperor of the world yeah. while, he, while he continues being a real estate developer. He's not being president. No. He's, he's, he's a little boy playing at being emperor who constantly gets his feelings hurt and, you know, and throws punches and then cries if somebody dares to try and punch him back. I mean, this is, we're watching a, a 
ill-behaved three-year-old pretend to be president while continuing to just run his real estate business. Yeah, but he and unfortunately is the, is the president, is the president. He is the damn president. And we're no, I know he is the damn president. So, but what I'd like to know is where is the damn Congress? Okay, well that's what Krugman says, because he says this column after he calls Trump uh, a quizzling, he says this column though is not about him. It's about the people who are enabling his betrayal of America, and that is the entire Republican delegation to our Congress because they have the constitutional power and, in fact, the responsibility to rein him in and to stand up in our country's defense. Um, and he goes on to say he cannot believe their silence. It is just, and he doesn't count the ones who, you know, get credit for saying stuff or tweeting stuff. They say and tweet all they want, but they don't vote against him. All you no, need. No, they're just trying to get. They're trying to get reelected. That has That's nothing all. to do. That's all they're doing. They are fearful of his base. They're fearful of losing a primary. Um, and he says it is the party's base that really loves Trump. They don't love Trump's pot, and it's it's. They don't love him because of the policies, because a lot of those policies are hurting his base. They're getting hurt. Farmers, American production workers, if they're still there, people who would have had uh, health insurance who now don't. He's hurting his people own... with pre-existing conditions. I mean, they've just, you know, decided to take that off the table, too. He's hurting his own base. This shows when I get really angry and call them idiots. Why? Because, and Krugman says it here, they love Trump not because of his policies, but for the cruelty he exhibits toward racial minorities and the way he sticks his thumb in the eyes of people like me and you. And right. that is it, in a nutshell. It is that he beats up on the people they are fearful of. And no, it he is, beats up on the people that they decide that at least they're better than them. Right. And he, they love, they just love him making me crazy. They love him making Democrats crazy. They love him making MSNBC and CNN and Paul Krugman go nuts. And they are open about that. They don't give a damn what the guy does. They are enjoying us going nuts. And I tell you, if that is what is propelling his base then they are as good as traitors, too. Because a job, right. well, and, a job and, and, and of a... here's the thing. Go ahead. Here's the thing, Lynn. I mean, you know, that cartoon that I sent you that Dr. Seuss wrote in 1941, drew in 1941. Well, explain the, the cartoon. Mother's reading to, to her two children about... Uh, the, and, the, and the little children were, you know, and they ate the little children down to their nasty little bones, and we didn't care because they were foreign children. 
and that he did that in 1941 about Jews, and it is exactly what is happening now, that we are torturing little children in the name of our borders. We are torturing children, and they will be permanently damaged by what we do to them now, and don't think they won't be. They are permanently damaged by what we are letting our country do in our names, and it makes me physically ill. Me too. In case you can't tell. It, I, I totally agree. And in fact, Michelle Goldberg has a piece today titled, First They Came for the Migrants. And I have said that too. If you can't see what's going on, you're blind. You are blind. And the scary thing is, as Krugman points out, we have one entire party enabling this descent into what could well be fascism, and we have close to 50% of our citizenry perfectly fine with it, and who knows what other percentage just sitting, twiddling their thumbs on the sideline. Uh, let me just tell you how, to, how he ends uh, the piece. What all this tells us is that the problem facing America runs much deeper than Trump's personal awfulness. One of our two major parties appears to be hopelessly, irredeemably corrupt. And unless that party not only loses this year's election, but begins losing on a regular basis, America as we know it is finished. Yeah, it is. And, and it won't be the immigrant children they're coming for. They're, that, that beautiful thing that was written so, so long years ago. ago is absolutely correct. Right. Next, they're coming for my grandchild and for yours. You know, I told my son um, I was worried because his passport, his American passport, is uh, going to run out in October. And he is a naturalized American citizen. And he has brown skin. And I told him, you have got to make sure you know where your naturalization papers are, where all your stuff is, and you've got to get yourself a, a current you know, we used to ask, as Jews, we used to say, why did all these Jews in Germany just say, eh, well, it'll be okay, until why it was... Why did they allow this to happen? Until it was too why late. They, no, until they... Why didn't they get the hell out? There was nothing they could personally do. Why didn't they get the hell out? Right. Because they, too, thought... I, it can't possibly, I mean, I know it's a bad time, but it, it'll be okay. It can't possibly happen. They couldn't believe it. But they also, Lynn, let's be honest, where were they to go? Uh, at that time, that's that's, that cartoon was drawn because the United States closed its borders to Jews. There was a boat full of young children and Jews that, were tur that was turned away at our ports yeah so i gotta tell you any jew who knows uh history relatively recent and history uh and and looks at what the united and states is doing now this. that it was us then it's 
brown-skinned, desperate, and black-skinned immigrants now, and the tactics that we see... Who are fleeing oppression and just, you know, and, and certain death, just as the Jews in the, in the 30s were, in the 40s. We turned, our, we turned our back on them then, and we are doing it again. Which is why I'm so angry at people who won't get up off their duffs and get in the street. And why I can't believe that there's any Jew in this country who supports this administration. Doesn't admit what they are looking at. Exactly. Well, Susan, I hate to tell you this. There are Jews who support them. I give you. Oh, I know. I give you. Don't tell me. I know. I think some of them are in our very own family. Well, I barely speak to them anymore. I, I can't stomach it. I, I really think at some point you do take a stand, and you don't. It's not, it isn't like it used to be. Oh, they're family, so I'll be nice to them. I can't. You know, it's been, a, it's been hard for me. I really can't. I really can't. Well, it's the Chicago contingent. I can't. I haven't seen them. I don't talk to them. I can't either. Well, there you go. And we are a very close family. That's heartbreaking. Okay, so uh, also the Supreme Court of the United States, frightening uh, decision yesterday, which shows that it is also enabling this uh, repulsive Republican Party in its effort to... uh, destroy our democracy. Uh, 5-4 ruling, all the Republican justices uh, saying that it's quite all right for Ohio to throw thousands upon thousands of people who are registered voters off the rolls. And do you know the case that brought, the, that, they, that they were deciding on? Listen to the, listen to the case. This was a guy... Please tell me it wasn't a soldier. It was. Ugh. Okay, it was... Uh, fighting for our country, yeah. not in a position to vote. No, 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 no. no. I don't wolf. think it was ah. that. It wasn't that he was not in a... This is a guy named Larry Harmon. He is a Navy veteran, lives near Akron, Ohio. Also, he is a software engineer. He voted in the 2004 and 2008, those would be the Obama, uh, when Obama ran, he voted in those two, but then he didn't vote in the next presidential election because he said he didn't like either of the candidates and he just didn't want to, you know, he said, I'm not going to vote. He then sat out the next midterm election in 2014 Then in 2015, he went to vote against a ballot initiative in Ohio and was told he was not a registered voter. His name had been stricken. Ohio says if you miss an election and they send you a letter, which they apparently had sent to him, saying... Did you, uh, do you still live at this address and you do not respond to it? They strike you. Now, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of 
crap snail mail. And I often, I almost threw uh, something out from, uh, uh, which gives me a court date for my, that parking thing I had in, in January. I almost threw that out the other day. So you have a court date? Yeah, I'm going to court. It, I got, I, I, it, it even says that um, I have a right to an attorney to represent me, but I don't think I'm going to get one. Why are you going? Why you be out of principle because you refuse to pay? Yeah, because I'm not guilty. You were legally parked. As far as I, I, I sure think. I mean, I sure think so. And um, well, good for you. You want me to fly in? Sure. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going uh, because I, um, I had parked in that place a million times. As far as I can tell, it is marked for parking. I had paid for the parking, and they towed my car. I had to pay a hundred. I had to pay a hundred and forty-five dollars plus an Uber fare to get my car back, and I had to pay a hundred and nineteen dollars to the uh, to the parking authority for being. Uh, illegally parked, even though I pled not guilty. So I'm out, you know, I can't do math, but, you know, almost $300. And I want my money back. I want my money back. It is total bullshit. So, yeah, I'm going to court. I have a court date in July. I'll be a nervous wreck. I've never been in front of a I only, the only time I was was when, um, you know, to get my son legally adopted. That was a joyous, you know, non-scary event. Jeez. This isn't scary. The worst that happens is you don't get your money back, and you're going to get court costs. Excuse me, we are here. Do you hear Ernie? <laughs> that was amazing. Is there a siren somewhere? What's he? What is that? That's Ernie mimicking a siren. Because I know that's what he does when a siren, but you can't hear the siren? No, I don't hear the siren. I just hear Ernie. <laughs> God bless him. If we ever needed, if we ever needed relief, comic relief, God bless you, Ernie. We've so got an, such a pretty voice. <laughs> any, anyway, so so that is. Um, and this was at first the United States, uh, the appeals court ruled in favor of this guy saying that is outrageous. I mean, uh, being a registered voter doesn't, you know, mandate. They have to show up at every, every election. There's plenty of reasons why people may not be able to or choose not no, to. No, it's supposed to ensure your right to your, your ability and right to vote. So, um, and it says right here that federal law prohibits states from removing people from voter rolls, quote, by reason of the person's failure to vote. That's current federal law. But it also... Okay, but here's what they, but here's what the court argued, and what the court said was that this actually followed the letter of that law because it wasn't requiring them to vote. It was requiring them to affirm that they still lived at the address 
which put them in that district. And that is assuming that people look carefully at snail mail now, which is not true. I don't know any... Oh, it, is, it is the smallest fall print. You know, I mean, this is, this is Supreme Court, you know, playing, you know, and, and, and parsing words and saying this fits the exact letter of the law. It might... But a, if, if that court were looked at, were comprised slightly differently, what the court would have said is, while it may be, uh, you know, according to the, uh, you know, the letter of what was written, it is totally against the spirit and the intent of the law. And, uh, and that would have been totally within Congress's right, which was to say that the intent of the law is clearly to make it easier rather than harder to vote. And the intent of this is clearly to make it harder rather than easier to vote. And that's what the Republican Party does constantly, tries to make it harder to vote. That's what voter ID is about. You saw that in state after state in the last election that Trump supposedly won, that they canceled early voting in a lot of these states, that they, uh, they closed certain polling places or, or changed them. Just trying uh, eliminating same-day registration. Everything they can do to tamp down people's basic right to vote. And this 5-4 decision would have gone the other way if the same if the same traitorous Republican Party had, re, had not refused to allow President Obama to have the person that he, that he nominated for the court, Merrick Garland, to even have a hearing. Yeah. And that was 11 yeah. months before... No, they just cheat. These are... This is a this is a group. You want to know why this country is in this state? This is a group that has raised the art of cheating and slander and lies to the level of you know this is how you win. And if you want and if you want to win, this is what you have to do. And it's perfectly okay. And the country is just going along with it, which is why we are not only not passing ethics reform and and election reform in places we are rolling it back you know there was a picture and barbara just sent me something that reminded me of the picture i saw there's a picture of ice agents and they've lined up these people alongside a road these poor desperate people men most of them seem to be our children and they're standing there you can see the terror on their faces and these big beefy sons of bitches that represent us are, you know, walking toward them. And I'm thinking, this is no different than the pictures that used to chill my blood of Jews standing in, in German cities with Gestapo. It's no right. different. And what's the difference of the Jews getting off the train and having their children ripped from their arms? Please tell me. I, I have, there is no way to tell you because there is no difference. Do you know that we ripped just last month in this country, in your name, 650 children from their parents' arms, one father in detention after his child had been taken from him, 
killed himself in despair. A teenage boy that we deported back to the country he had never known because he was three years old when he was brought to this country. We deported him back to that country. He has since been murdered. I... I, I, I'm just, I, I am, I'm getting close to beside myself is what's happening. <laughs> and, 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 and understandably so. Understandably so. This is how dangerous these times are. Here's what you can do. Write. Write to me. Write your senators. Write your legislators, write the White House, write the newspapers, talk to people, say, I ref and get people registered to vote. Make sure people who are registered really are registered. Our country is committing humanitarian crimes on a daily basis. This country is no shining beacon on a hill. We terrorize children. And that's why I can't necessarily be nice to people I used to be nice to. I can't. If they fess up, <laughs> I got a shot maybe, but uh-uh, otherwise, no. Susan, are you there? I'm here. Okay, I'm just, you're just, you know, grumpy. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Dear Lynn and Susan, Kathleen writes, Paul Krugman's and your thoughts about our country and the Republicans in this time sound like the tape that repeats over and over in my brain. It is terrifying, like I'm in a nightmare and I can't wake up. So I'm back to the same question, what are we going to do? Well, as I said, in any way that you can act now, act. Join a campaign. Help, help, um, help uh, Connor Lamb knock off Keith Rothfuss, okay? That's right in our backyard. I don't even care. Yeah, that is what we can do. We can, we, it's the only effective thing we can do is throw these bums as far out of here as we possibly can, as quickly as we possibly can. And that's also st talking about state legislative races, Senate and House. We have got to let the Republican Party know we repudiate it in no uncertain terms. It doesn't mean you have to love the Democratic Party. And anybody who starts parsing, well, the Democrats and the Republicans... I swear to God, I'll strangle you. <laughs> I, 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 I want to just punch the lights out of people like that. I do, too, because if there's a way to stop the, the atrocities that are being committed in our name, and yes, folks, these really are atrocities that are being committed in our name, it's not, well, but I don't like the Democrats either. It's get those people who are doing this out, out of there. And there's only one way, 
and that's to unite against uh, together, whether you like everything about them or not, against their opposition, period. As long as they're opposed, that's who you vote for. We have to be single issue on this. The issue is no more Republicans. Ray has sent me some words from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. In keeping silent about evil, in buying in so deep within us that no sign of it appears on the surface, we are implanting it, and it will rise up a thousandfold in the future. When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are not simply protecting their trivial old age. We are thereby ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. And he has another Solzhenitsyn quote. Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states nor between classes nor between political parties but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us. It oscillates with the years. And even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good might be retained. And even in the best of all hearts, there remains an unuprooted small corner of evil. And then we've got a Ray, because he's a religious man, quotes this. Since then I have come to understand the truth of all the religions of the world. They struggle with the evil inside the human being. It is impossible to expel evil from the world in its entirety, but it is possible to constrict it within each person. Um, okay. Um, I think one of the most frightening things that these times uh, represent for me is they have stripped away uh, the, the sort of stage managed, managed aspect of what we think our country is and who we think our country, uh, our country citizens are, what we think of as America, what we think of as Americans. And I now see such an ugliness such a evil, such a cruelty in so many and in our government as it currently is constituted that I don't see any reason to be anything but fearful. I see no reason, and anyone who's not is part of the problem. Susan! Yeah. Let's change the subject because last time we talked about another subject, and I then I think the time before that it came up too. So just keeping it going. Okay? Okay. Poop. Yes. Well, this is a universal subject of great interest. Yeah, I so have, I cannot tell you how excited I was to see a story in the arts section of today's New York Times. So this... Defecation art? Yes. 
That is correct. Defecation <laughs> art. In fact, yeah, I think I was in. I, I was it Paris. There's a whole exhibit. <laughs> there is. Well, I know this is in uh, poop, poop art that I saw. Oh, okay. But you, anyway, okay. I interrupt. Well, there's so. another one, and this is in Rotterdam in uh, the Netherlands. <laughs> and uh, here is the um, the critic who. Uh, there's an art critic who's written the story, and I'll just read this uh, one paragraph to you. Uh, I'll go back to what she what what she was dressed in as she walked in because they have hanging as you walk in there are these sort of body suits that they ask you to put on over your clothes. I mean you don't have to get undressed but just so you lo- you look different as you walk in. And uh she says I put on I put it on over my clothes and then I walked in into the excrement. There were four giant turds inside the 16,000 square feet of museum space. One mammoth piece of feces was reminiscent of a long, winding steel sculpture by Richard Serra. (laughs) Which is, by the way, in St. Louis, where several Serra sculptures reside, what people think of his art. That it looks like shit. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. Get it out of that square. It looks like shit. I mean, it's hysterical. Well, here it is. Go on. I just wanted to point out the irony. That's right. Another, she says, uh, piece, uh, one of the turds, was a brown spiral. Another resembled an enormous chocolate chip. Yet another featured intertwined layers with a gap in between that I could have crawled through if I had been brave enough. And all four sculptures of fecal matter sat on elegant Persian rugs, like welcome home gifts led by a, left by a huge, cue the dog, a huge vengeful dog. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry speaking of. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Surely this this critic is is writing with her tongue firmly in her cheek, right? Kind of, sort of. But then they go on, and and they she talks to other people, seriously interviews the people who did it, and 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 saying the intention is confronting ourselves with our own fears or our own preconceived notions or taboos, which we can also call prejudices. Some of the other art. You, oh, that poor little poop. Yeah, yeah. Here, this is done by an artist collective. Some of their other art included uh, a sculpture made from frozen urine and a, this one I sort of like, a 180-foot pink bunny rabbit, which they left to decompose on the side of a mountain in the Italian Alps. (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted, when I saw that, I thought, oh, good, Susan's on. We can talk about. Talk about poop. poop. But I'm, you see, now I'm intrigued. I'm going to have to look this up because, I mean, do they, how do they, um, how do they uh, stabilize the poop such that it can sit there uh, long enough? It's I not mean, really poop. Do it's not really poop. It's not really poop? No. 
Oh, well then, what's the point? No, I mean, the just... exhibit I saw was really poop. No, this is clay plaster cast covered, no, th- uh, enormous plaster cast covered with thick brown clay. Um, oh, big deal. Okay, but let me tell you, just to, it, it, so, they not only have these four huge turds uh, in this museum, and this is a museum, by the way, that has, you know, like uh, Bruegel and Hieronymus Bosch. I mean, they got like serious arts, of, uh, you know, works of art. Uh, uh, anyway, so the thing they want you to put on, just to make this even more repulsive, uh, you're invited to essentially look as if you're naked when you walk in. And so they have a clothes rack filled with skin-toned, naked costumes but they feature this is what the critic says all shapes and sizes of male and female genitalia and she says I chose a peach color hermaphroditic garment with teddy bear fur a male member between its legs and wide set breasts I pulled it on over my clothes and then I walked into the excrement. I'm telling you, the world is ending. That's all. Well, I simply don't have to go there. I mean, you know, I guess everybody has their own means of escape. (laughs) 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 So, Susan. She'd be a hit at a furry convention, don't you think? (laughs) I don't know. That little bit of fur might not be enough. Anyway, um, I have to tell you that this is one on another even, you know, a nice note. And I do recommend this. If you want to be reacquainted with uh, the good in humanity, um, go see the uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary that is now in theaters uh, uh, about Fred Rogers. Uh, this thing is definitely going to get an Oscar nomination. I have little doubt of that. It's 99% on Rotten It's Tomatoes. a good year for good documentaries. I mean, between Ruth Bader and this one. Yes. Yeah, I think it, Ruth Bader and might far be. Far better doc. than, you know, yet yeah. another superhero film. Exactly. So. Exactly. It is just simply I mean, wonderful. What is there to go to the movies to see otherwise? I Absolutely know. nothing. Well, um, and also, Joanne who, you know, was on the show a few weeks ago. Joanne is all over the country. She was uh, on Megyn Kelly, or she taped a thing with Megyn Kelly the other day. And she's going to be on Jimmy Fallon tonight. So oh, I'll have to watch that. Megyn Kelly, I, I'm no, sorry, I, can't. I just can't watch I can't Megyn either. Kelly. So, um, but jo- is, Joanne said is, she was very nice. Her personality, I, I don't know how she got this far. I don't because I, I think she comes across... As cold and and shallow and narcissistic and everything unpleasant, just unpleasant. Well, you just, um, I mean, you just uh, sort of gave a description of, I think, a lot of uh, anchor people, frankly. Yeah, I guess, but you know, she's supposed to. She's on morning. I'm not talking doing, you know, what are supposed to be warm and fuzzy topics, and she's supposed to be able to be cute and accessible, and she ain't. Yeah. Um. She's she's turned the channel. Yeah. 
So anyway, Joanne on Fallon, it'd be sort of fun. She's such a delight. And um, and I'm not kidding. I've seen it. And uh, I know S- Sally went back to see it a second time because I'd seen it with her at that premiere we went to. And, and she went back again. She said, you know, you just... It's wonderful. Got a four-star review in the local paper here by Barry Paris, who doesn't give four stars very often. And it, you know, there's a there's a priest I follow on um, Twitter. He's a he's got a ton of followers. I'm blanking on his name right now. I think he's a Jesuit. He's so smart, and he's so against Trump. <laughs> and he was quoted the other day is he's been starting to think that he thinks Fred Rogers is is essentially a saint that he yeah, was a saint I, I, he is um, if, if, if I am looking for the modern embodiment of what I always imagined a saint to be for real that's it yeah. and not in, instead of if you actually read about a lot of these saints they're, they're <laughs> Some of them are really scary. No, they're not. They're scary people. But you know what's scary people? What's funny? Scary and diseased and awful. What's Um, What's funny is that uh, when the documentary was being made, um, Joanne uh, asked one thing of the when she gave she she gave her you know she's permission right yes permission. She said, "Don't make him out to be a saint." <laughs> he was a human he being. He was a real person. Because right. she knows that. And you know what? You said the same thing after Eric's death, her Susan's after husband. After Eric's death, I did, because, because everybody was just, and they continue to do it. And I no. lived with the man, and I can tell you, I loved him very much, but he was certainly no saint. No, he was a human being. Uh, but he was better than most. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, no, he really was yeah, better really than was. most. He but really and, was. And, but uh, as was but Fred. again, and it, as I could keep reminding his family, he was better than most because he enter he underwent a long and extensive psychoanalysis that really turned a um, a a you know rough attempt at at a person into a magnificent human being. Would that it would work for everybody that well. Yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. No. It was a magical combination between patient and analyst, and it worked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I think Fred is uh, as close to a saint as we're ever likely to know. Um, and I do. But let's go back to that same thing. I think all widows sort of say the same thing because they have to listen to, you know, it gets right. old after a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you go, yeah, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> well, the saint chose you, Susan, so. The saint chose me, I know. So that and must mean I, something. And, and what used to amuse me back in St. Louis was uh, most people just shook their heads and couldn't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. They, had a, they thought they had a really good shot at unseating me. <laughs> um, no, he loved you. He loved you. Uh, yeah. A quote. I have another quote. Let's. Uh, these are words from uh, a guy who did get out, who the Nazis would have killed, but uh, he got out because he was smart. Albert Einstein. And 
this is so true. He says, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking that we used when we created them. And you know what? That's what we do over and over again, isn't it? When we have a right. big issue to deal with, whether it's racism in this country, whether it's whatever. We do. We all just go right back into the same stuff that got us into this trouble in the first place. Okay, so don't make fun of this comparison. But I play a lot of bridge on my iPad. And one of the reasons that I do it is because when I know that I'm looking at a group of cards that can accomplish something and I don't do it, I can go back and try it again. And I noticed that I had a tendency to just play it exactly the way I played it the first time, which doesn't work. So it taught me to say the way you want to go about fixing this problem is not correct. It isn't going to work. You have to think of a whole different less instinctual way to accomplish your goal and then i can do it and i i mean it is it's just a a an exact thing a representation of what it is you have to do to think differently and it's not that easy your mind goes the way it goes it always so goes right. the we same can't way fix, That's we right. can't fix anything by going down the road and turning right and then the turning same. left and turning right if that's how we got to where we are now. Exactly, but we do. So just think about that a little bit. So we need to be thinking outside the box a little bit more, and we need to not be kidding ourselves about the true danger that uh, we are in right now and that our country is in right now. Yeah. Okay. Susan, thank you. And thank Ernie. Ernie was great. Ernie was great today. I shall, uh, I should pay him. <laughs> Ernie was wonderful. Give him a kiss for me. Well, he likes to contribute. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. See. Bye. 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 And uh, I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.